Okay, now we're going to talk about pancreatitis. This is another example of inflammation, um, and this is actually occurring in the abdominal cavity as well. That's where the pancreas is located. It contains enzymes to break down food in the digestive tract, and it also secretes insulin. So with pancreatitis, what's happening is the enzymes are released in the organ, and it starts to attack and digest the pancreatic tissue. And as you can imagine, this, can be, this is very painful for the patient. Pain in pancreatitis is usually characterized by sudden onset. It's deep, it's penetrating, it usually radiates to the back. Sometimes we can describe that as boring pain, as boring through the abdomen into the back. Um, and typically this is sudden pain that's in the center of the upper abdomen between the belly button and the chest. Like I said, it radiates to the back. And sometimes the pain may be localized on the left or right side or slightly lower than the belly button. But typically it's upper abdomen between the belly button and the chest. As far as causes of pancreatitis, um, there could be no known cause or more commonly uh, gallstones. So what happens is the gallstone blocks off that pancreatic duct so the enzymes can't be released and instead they are staying within the pancreas and they start to digest and break down that pancreatic tissue. Another common cause is heavy alcohol use. Um, if patients are eating a lot of high fat foods chronically all the time, that could lead to hyperlipidemia, which could also lead to pancreatitis. Other causes um, may be abdominal trauma, drug use, different medications, infections, tumors. There could be a genetic cause. Um, something called um, cystic fibrosis is a genetic condition, and that can cause chronic pancreatitis. As far as other things that we'll assess besides the pain, they're going to have nausea and vomiting, fever, Something else that's pretty specific to pancreatitis is we may see a gray or a bluish discoloration of the flanks or even a gray-bluish discoloration of the abdominal region, periumbilical region. And this has to do with the leakage of the pancreatic enzymes. It causes this kind of bluish-grayish tint. When we um, auscultate bowel sounds, we may notice that they're decreased or absent. The patient may even look jaundice because bile um, is actually building up in the body from not being able to be released from all this inflammation going on. And also, secondary to that, from the bile not being released, usually stool has kind of a tannish brownish color because there's bile in the stool. So if someone has pancreatitis, we may not see that um, because the bile has not been able to be released. So their stool usually has a kind of clay-colored or grayish color to it. We can do some blood work, and we can look at amylase and lipase because those are pancreatic enzymes. And typically we'll see that amylase will increase within 12 to 24 hours um, of pancre pancreatitis setting in, and that'll usually last for a couple of days. And then we can also test the lipase, which... Um, that will tend to stay elevated for weeks. So we might see that more elevated in like a chronic pancreatitis situation. Something else to really watch out for is with this being inflammation in the abdominal region, 
talked a little bit about this with appendicitis is that fluid building up um, is a that possibility of fluid building up in with the that vascular permeability that happens with this whole inflammatory process in that fluid could start to leak in places that we don't want it to be in um, so just f inflammation in fluid alone in the abdominal cavity could cause difficulty with breathing but then also it could be leaking into the lung tissue so auscultating lung sounds listening for adventitious sounds like crackles because that could indicate that you have um, a pleural effusion or fluid in the lungs, um, which could affect breathing, and that could be um, potential complications. So we want to assess for that. These patients generally feel more comfortable in the fetal position um, and more pain when they're lying flat. So when you walk in and assess these patients, they're usually all kind of scrunched up in the fetal position, and that feels more comfortable and helps with their pain. Sometimes we may have to diagnose this through by doing a CT scan, looking for the inflammation. Um, in acute pancreatitis, there's typically, you know, this is going to go away in a few days. Um, they may have just a short hospital stay, if, if any at all. Um, and, and if they are going to have to stay in the hospital, they are going to be kept MPO um, and IV fluids to help manage that since they're kept MPO, keep them hydrated. Uh, pain control is also a big thing, another reason why they're kept in the hospital, because this is pretty painful. Um, we would want to monitor intake and output, so they may have to have a Floyd catheter, depending on how ill they are, if they're able to get up or not. Um, and something in else interesting that can happen here is there's this whole process with pancreatitis, um, and one of the first things that happens is lipolysis so this the fatty acids start to kind of break down and they bind to calcium that's freely floating around and that actually leads to hypocalcemia and even hypomagnesemia in the bloodstream so an additional thing that we can see is um, a complication with pancreatitis is actually hypocalcemia or hypomagnesemia so assessing for signs of that you can recall what that looks like when somebody has a low calcium, low magnesium level. Um, the signs that we see, like a positive Trousseau's or a positive Chivastec sign, those would be things that I would be assessing for if somebody has pancreatitis because that could be a potential complication is hypocalcemia or hypomagnesemia. And then if, if the pancreatitis um, continues without intervention, then more things start to be broken down, and there's this risk of um, necrotizing pancreatitis, um, where the pancreas is just basically dying, and there's bleeding involved, um, more inflammation, and that could continue and lead to shock. So we would want to be assessing our patients for blood pressure dropping, heart rate elevating, because that could be a sign of shock. In some situations, the in parts of the inflamed pancreas could be removed, um, but generally it's just conservative management with NPO, letting the, the system rest, IV fluids, uh, pain control, stuff to help with the meds to help with inflammation. Uh, because we do see gallstones as a common cause, there's a um, procedure that you can do called an ERCP, and that can get rid of the gallstones, and then that'll fix the problem. 
or we may just have to teach our patients about avoiding alcohol, avoiding high fat foods, triglycerides, um, you know, depending on what's, what the cause is, it may just involve some teaching and just helping them realize that they should eat a healthy diet, stay hydrated, be healthy overall. If alcohol is the cause, then um, we may be doing education on um, addiction. Um, and if they, if alcohol is the cause and they come in and they're intoxicated, then we would want to be um, assessing for signs of possible withdrawal in the patient as well. Let's just talk a little bit about acute versus chronic. So acute pancreatitis, um, all the things that I've already mentioned as far as things that could happen, looking for issues with the lungs, um, looking for um, thing, issues like with fluid shifts and that possible necrotizing fasciitis or shock occurring. Um, they could actually even develop peritonitis with pancreatitis, like we've talked about with appendicitis. Um, so we saw, you know, elevated white blood cell count. We saw um, blood pressure dropping, heart rate elevating because this could lead to shock as well. Um, they can also have a paralytic ileus with acute pancreatitis. So where the GI system just kind of shutting down, things aren't moving. Um, they have no bowel sounds at all. And in that situation, a lot of times we have to place an NG tube to kind of help get out secretions since their bowels aren't moving um, and just kind of let that heal. They could also, um, with acute pancreatitis or even chronic, they could be placed on um, an antacid to help decrease acid reflux um, or even um, a proton pump inhibitor kind of be something more permanent, especially if this is a chronic thing. So something like um, pantoprazole, which is also known as protonics, they could take that um, chronically to help decrease acid reflux. With chronic pancreatitis, um, unfortunately, there's not really a cure. There may not even be a known cause. One of the known causes I did give an example of was cystic fibrosis. Um, and so these patients end up having to take like the enzymes because their pancreas can't use those enzymes. Um, and with chronic pancreatitis, they do have exacerbations and remissions, like we've talked a lot about with different um, immune and inflammatory conditions. Um, this could be hereditary condition. It could be autoimmune. It could be genetic. Um, they do have that kind of pale stool, and it's usually bulky, frothy, stinky. Um, we often call it statorrhea. Um, this kind of fatty stool because their body's not able to absorb all the, the, um, the fat with the enzymes not working. This can lead to weight loss or muscle wasting. A lot of times with chronic pancreatitis, those patients may need some type of supplements nutritionally or even TPN, total parenteral nutrition. Um, they have a lot of nutritional issues. And we usually tell them to avoid high-fat foods because they have problems with that, avoid alcohol. Because they do have a weight loss and muscle wasting, they're going to eat a lot of calories. We want them to eat like 4,000 to 6,000 calories a day just to maintain their weight. And like I said, they have to take these pancreatic enzymes. Um, and those are typically taken with meals or with snacks. Um, and they need to drink um, water with that. Um, they should avoid their pancreatic enzymes when taking antacids. So like if they want to take an antacid, they need to wait a few hours uh, before they take their pancreatic enzyme or vice versa. Because if you take them together, antacids will prevent the absorption of the enzyme. And that's the same for like a lot of meds. 
Uh, usually we don't take antacids with other meds just because of that risk of absorption issues. Um, and then we would just watch um, patients who have chronic pancreatitis for signs of complications. Um, like I said, they have a lot of nutritional issues. And then along with that is we can see diabetes develop because the pancreas plays a role in, uh, with insulin. Um, so we could see signs of diabetes mellitus and just to watch for that. And they could, with chronic pancreatitis, they can have continuous gnawing pain. Um, and then that pain gets worse when they have flare-ups. Um, and so we would also just watch out for any type of complication, like an abscess or any type of um, signs of infection when there is a flare-up. So that's another good example of inflammation occurring in the body. And we've had both of our examples thus far are inflammation in the abdominal region. And there's a lot of similarities as far as complications that we're watching out for. The pain varies a little bit in each. Um, and then um, there's some common treatments as far as NPO, letting things rest, IV fluids, pain management, antibiotics, that sort of thing.